Let's bring him on from Covers.com. It's Josh Ingalls. Wait a minute. Maddie. 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 Yeah. What's up, bud? I heard you talking about Skylar Thompson and how much you love him. Oh. Now, this is, this, these, are the, these are the quarterbacks that the Patriots beat. I, I was listening to talk about it. And I'm like, let me go take a look at those. Early season Jared Goff, Mitch Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett, Zach Wilson twice, Sam Ellinger, Holt <laughs> McCoy, and Skylar Thompson. Those are the quarterbacks New England has beaten this year. Yeah. I do like the seven, absolutely. Yes, thank you. Buffalo, my highest ranking uh, is the Buffalo Bills to beat New England. By the way, once again for the listeners, because we talk about how good New England's defense is, and they've scored seven defensive touchdowns. Josh Ingles from Covers.com, can you again tell some of the quarterbacks that the New England Patriots have faced this year starting in chronological order mitch trubisky early season jared goff jacoby Brissett, zach wilson sam ellinger zach wilson again colt mccoy and skylar thompson and then colt mccoy and skylar thompson are the only two wins Jesus. that they have over their last six games Oof. See, that is see, that is a great context. As we do on this show, uh, we like to take the stat, but we like to tell the story behind it. So why is Buffalo a seven-point favorite? There's many reasons. One of them is their quarterback is Josh Allen and is not any of those guys. Um, Josh, we'll bounce around all over the place, but your recent column, and I recommend everyone go and check it out on Covers.com. I love it because for people looking to place a prop bet, explain why... People might not be looking at Christian Kirk, the receiver for the Jags, and looking at his over-under for reception totals, but explain why taking the over makes sense. Well, savvy betters have known that Week 18 comes with big big bucket lists for a lot of players. A lot of players can get richer. Incentives are big contract incentives. They're hard to find, but there was a great Sports Illustrated article uh, put out maybe three weeks ago that had a lot of good contract incentives and now that we're in week eight we're starting their week 18 we're starting to see them come to fruition here we saw last last year we saw tom brady go over to gronk and say how many more yards do you need he's like i need a, a couple more the game was out of reach but he got it and these are edges that betters can have i mean now that me and you are talking about it maddie the edge is kind of dried up but yeah. this year there are there are a few there aren't as many as last year but you brought up a good one in christian kirk and zay jones both of those receivers uh, need two catches. Kirk needs two catches for 500K. Jones needs two catches for 250K. And both of them need about 100 yards Saturday for half a million dollars. So there are some targets up for grabs. So it'll be funny if, if uh, Trevor Lawrence is keen in on one of them and not the other. But in that same sense, we shouldn't just be betting this blindly because that game has a lot of value to it in yeah. itself of who's going to win the division. So there are some other ones out there that, that might have a better angle uh, than those two, but those are, those are two of the big ones. Yep. You want some more? Yeah, give me some more. Uh, Gerald Everett needs uh, five catches for 250K. Chargers uh, place what they placed this week, you don't understand why they're, they're they've moved to three, Maddie. Yeah, the Chargers have moved to plus three in Denver. Everett has six five catch games on him behind his uh, season, so I do think that's something that we can hit, and it, and it lines up well with what his player prop market will eventually open up as. Is the Sunday games really aren't open? Guys like Tyler Higby need uh, twenty yards for five hundred k, so that won't be a big one. But one thing I do look at this year 
is defensive player props. Yep. Because those are very available. And guys like Minnesota's Zadarius Smith, who gets to face uh, Peter Peterman in Chicago. Chicago just gave up seven sacks last week with Justin Fields in, so you can imagine what's going to happen this week. He needs half a sack for 750K. Oh! Now these are, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, the that Jackson, is a good one. Carl, Carl Lawson needs one sack for 600K, and he faces off against Skylar Thompson, so there's some interesting ones there. Definitely like those uh, defensive ones. And then, of course, you can look at just regular milestones. You don't have to get creative. Guys like Tyler Algier needs 100 yards to reach 1,000 yards. He's getting a lot more work with Desmond Ritter under center, so things like that. Brandon Ayuk needs 44 yards. You could see him play early minutes and then get that and kind of duck out. Um, just just milestones like that. Single-season records are kind of drying up. Obviously, we know that Patrick Mahomes needs like 430 yards to beat Peyton Manning's record, so not sure if he'll do that as a nine-point favorite. Justin Fields could have broken Lamar Jackson's, but he's not going to play. Uh, and then because of Justin Jefferson's dead last week, he needs like 190. So that one's kind of uh, kind of out of reach for him and Minnesota. I love it. And yeah, some good, there is some good stuff out there. That Zyar Smith half a sack on Nathan Peterman. Oh, that one feels that one feels like a good one to to take the over on. From Covers dot com, we're joined by Josh Ingles. How do you? How do you approach this final weekend just in terms of betting on the NFL games where, you know, um, Green Bay, Detroit, the, the, that line might be different depending on what happens with Seattle uh, taking on the Rams. Like, how do you approach betting Week 18 games where some teams have everything to play for and other teams have nothing to play for? I think you brought it up earlier in the conversation with your producer, Josh, about just you kind of have to focus on smaller parts of everything. Like I'm mostly on props. So the markets are kind of just rolling out now. If people were looking, obviously it's sides and totals. I'm sure a lot of more people got in earlier in the week as more professional betters do. But in saying that, when you look at week 18 as a whole, it can be extremely overwhelming. Like we don't even know what's going to happen with seeding hundred percent right now. So uh, my suggestion to people out there betting, make sure you kind of know, settle down, find an angle, research one smaller thing, and be more confident in a smaller bet as opposed to just firing a bunch of bets that you're kind of just throwing money at the wind. I guess that's a term that doesn't exist, but we'll call it that. <laughs> no, no. It's, it, it, listen, that is it is excellent, excellent advice by you. Um Throw it around just uh, we'll get off the NFL at, at least for a second. Uh, I was talking to my producer about this, about on the NHL side, that we've been seeing some uh, drops in the shot prop market. So people don't know that, betting on how many shots a player is going to get. And some are going as low as one and a half. Um, what do you do in terms of looking for success on the NHL shot prop lines where numbers are taking a dip? Uh, it depends. We saw guys like Johnny Tavares take a dip over a, a little production dump, jump there. Um, was at three and a half. He was at two and a half last night. He went over that. It, it kind of fluctuates. and it, It's not a market that kind of stays stagnant. It's priced in game to game versus matchup. It's a pretty efficient market, in my, if I, I do say so. I mean, it's, it, it's a really tough one to win night in and night out. And the scoring of it, it can be subjective at times, as sometimes you see a shot that counts, and then 20 minutes later, that that shot has been reviewed and it's been erased. Usually it works against you more than it works with you. But in that sense, 
the one and a halfs will eventually turn into twos, two and a halfs if they become profitable. So there are some one and a halfs that we can look at uh, today. Guys like, um, oh, I don't know, Nito, Nito Riders sitting at one and a half, but but they're heavily juiced. They're about minus two hundred, okay. and then they hit yeah. minus minus two ten before they flip to two and a half, and then they're about one thirty to the over on the two and a half. So someone like TJ Oshie, perfect example. Last night, one and a half, got four shots, and now he's up to two and a half today in a good matchup. But I think he's paying plus 135 for the over. Lastly, um, the Toronto Maple Leafs since mid-December. Uh, Can't stop the puck. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah you, you know it. You know, they gave up five, gave up six, uh, given up six uh, against Arizona, you know, four to St. Louis. When you look at what's going on, and all teams go through up and downs, but right now the goalies, especially Samsonov, are certainly uh, struggling. Um, how does that impact how you view the Maple Leafs in terms of any bets on wins and losses, totals, props? Uh, the Leafs' recent little uh, defensive slide here, how do you view that from a betting perspective? Uh, it's, I feel like the books have been chasing Toronto totals all year. So they started off as the team that they were last year, looking at totals of seven and six and a half pretty much through October, November. They got hot. They got that unsustainable goaltending when Murray and uh, Samsonov were like first and fourth in safe percentage and expected gold safe. Just massive over-evaluation of what that is. Their number goes down to six in totals coming out of the break, and then boom, 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 like we saw the St. Louis games, this is not a six-total team. So anytime I'm seeing the, the Leafs at six, it's pretty much an automatic over. It was at six and a half last night. I was on the team total. They kind of laid a dud. But I do think it's funny, and you probably think this too, Matt, when this team had no defensemen, they became the best defensive team in all of hockey. Yes. Now once everybody comes back, it's just like, okay, let's revert to our – last year self as opposed to playing probably the best hockey defensively and shot suppressing team we've seen this Toronto team play ever but now you bring back now you bring back Lilgren now you bring back Riley you're just kind of seeing it regressed back to what it was and it's kind of head scratching it is head scratching and clearly there's only one answer to this Connor Timmons is Chris Pronger. That is the only explanation I have going when it comes to the Maple Leafs. Josh, love the work. Check out it. Check it out, everyone, at covers.com. There's some really good stuff. Always appreciate. Thank you, my friend, for joining the show. Happy New Year. Great to chat with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Happy New Year to you, Matt, and you guys take care. We'll be in touch soon. Absolutely. That is Josh Ingalls from covers.com.